Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast, coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly, and now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, welcome to another edition of the podcast. This is Mark Striegel along with the co-founder, the co-host of Talking Metal back in the fold with us today, John Astronomy. How are you, dude? I'm doing great, Mark. Rock and roll forever. I can't <laughs> believe that we're rocking out in 2019. Yeah, I know you've been playing a lot of <laughs> gigs with your band, Like It. You've been out in the road with, with Ace Fraley, and you're going to be out in California doing the tour with him out there. Uh, but right. you're also doing something with me real cool back here in the greatest city in the world, as Nikki Six says, Correct. New York City, and it is a really cool night at the Iridium, the famous club that Les Paul made famous, and it is two of our favorite rockers, Corey Glover from Living Color, the Grammy Award-winning hard rockin' artist that we love, what a voice on that guy, and the amazing guitar player, Mike Orlando. So they're teaming up together to do this very special kind of one-off concert. Uh, with the two of them playing some music that they've been working on together and also some hits from bands like Adrenaline Mob and, and of course, Living Color. So it's going to be just a great night on September 9th at the Iridium. I, 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 John, what do you think of this? The first five people who come up to, to us and say, uh, let's do a Talking Metal Toast, we'll buy them a beer. Guaranteed it. And guess yeah. what? My birthday a big milestone birthday, and I'll, I'll leave it to that. Right, is, is the, uh, next day. Three right? days later. Oh, three, three days, days later. later. Right, 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 right. Three days later. Yeah. So yeah. we will absolutely buy the first three or four people a drink, and we're gonna have a great time. And we invite all of the Talking Metal listeners who are hearing this to come hang out with Talking Metal at a the Iridium, legendary venue, and to see. Two legendary great guys. Yeah, Mike Orlando and Corey Glover of Living Color. September 9th at 8.30, and things do start on time at the Iridium, so get there a little early. You can eat eat a meal there. It's great food, Good great food. club. Right in the heart of Times Square in New York City. September 9th, Mike Orlando featuring Corey Glover from Living Color. And, of course, Mike Orlando we know from Adrenaline Mob and Sonic Stomp and, among other things, so let's uh, let's do this. We got some great guests today. 
Corey Glover is here on the podcast right. to talk about what he's up to with Mike Orlando and talk about his amazing history. Then we have Brent Muscat. You know Brent, right? I love Brent, and I last saw Brent when I was in Las Vegas, uh, and Ace Freely was doing the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and uh, people were making fun of me because of my Creepers, and guess what? When Brent Musket came out with the Creepers, I said, shut up, because he has them, and that means they're cool. So, guess what? Creepers are cool, Brent Muscat is cool, and he saved me. For the people who were making fun of my shoes. Wow, I never heard that story. All right, <laughs> that's, a, that's great a good story. one. Yeah, yeah, Brett. Because he Brett. has creepers, and he will know what I'm talking about. Cool. Well, Brent <laughs> Muscat has been a part of so many legendary Faster Pussycat albums. He's going to talk about that with us today. And uh, yeah, then to wrap things up, we have Freddie from Weapons of a New. He'll close out today's nice. episode. Awesome, Mark. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, without further ado, let's get right into the interview with the man who will be playing the Iridium on September 9th in New York City with our friend Mike Orlando. Here is Grammy Award-winning artist Corey Glover here on Talking Metal. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal podcast, and what an honor for the first time ever on Talking Metal the great vocalist known mostly for his work with Living Color, Corey Glover. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. And, man, you've been busy. The last two years we've seen uh, a brand new album by Living Color, which which I loved, Shade. Right. There was also yeah. the Ultraphonics album that you put out with George Lynch uh, right. called Original Human Music. And now right. we're getting word there's a... Another album, I believe it's a full album on the way with you and Mike Orlando. Is is it going to be a full album that you guys are working on? I would hope so. We've been we've been working on it in drips and drabs, so we're, we're trying to see what it sounds, see what it turns out to be, and trying to figure out what a band looks like with he and I in it. Very cool. And where did you first meet Mike? Um, I actually first met Mike on uh, the Shiprock cruise. Oh, okay. And I saw him play and I was just blown away. I thought he was the most amazing. You know, I have a, a, a very high uh, threshold for guitar players. So it was, he was very, very, very impressive. Cool. And were you on, you were on the cruise with, with Tony Rowan or Living, yeah. Co- Living Color? Cool. Uh, no, the, no, when I went out, yeah, I was a, uh, I was a stowaway on Ship Rock at that time. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. So uh, do we have word when we might hear the release of this music? Um, do we know that? Yet? You, your guess is as good as mine. Um, <laughs> okay. I would probably put out, uh, some, some singles at some point and see how that works out and then go from there. Very cool. And I'm also totally excited because on September 9th, right around the corner, you guys are doing what I believe is your first show together ever at the Iridium, yeah. which is just a great, really high-end club right in the middle of Times Square. Great place made famous by Les Paul. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to this show. Can you talk a little bit about what the fans might expect at the uh, Mike Orlando, Corey Glover gig at the Iridium on September 9th? Well, it, it, more than likely it'll be, you know, uh, a mixture of our catalogs, I'm sure, and some, you know, with with a few surprises thrown in just for good measure. 
Very cool. And again, that show is September 9th at the Iridium in New York City. I will be there. And it's a great, great venue to see performances in because Les Paul, he designed the sound system. So it's obviously great. And it's a real intimate uh, venue. So really looking forward to that show. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, cool. Hey, Corey, I wanted to just kind of go back in time because I've been a, a fan of yours for for a long time and wanted to first go back to the very early days of Living Color. One thing we've read through the years quite a bit is that Mick Jagger was possibly the guy who discovered you guys. Can you talk a little bit about if you believe that's true? Did he really discover you guys? And what was his involvement with Living Color back in the early days? Well, um, we had, uh, you know, we had, we had developed a scene in, in the, in the mid eighties and, and part of, uh, and trying to uh, sort of establish ourselves within the scene here in New York city. And we, you know, we are playing around town, most notably at CBGB's, and um, garnered a reputation for uh, being a really good band. And at one point, uh, with from the suggestion of Doug Wimbish, who is now currently our bass player, that when Jagger was making a solo record and was looking for a band to tour with, that Vernon would be a good sort of, Vernon Reed, obviously the guitar player, would be a good sort of addition to the to the mix so uh he dug a talked up our about us and a few other people had had made mention of us in as a as a band to look out for and jagger having his ear to the ground invited uh invited vernon over to audition for him and in in the midst of him auditioning he kept he kept asking about living color and as a sort of throwaway, we said to him, "Look, we're playing at CBGB's next Thursday. You want to come come down?" <laughs> and he did with Jeff Beck. He played. And- wow, I didn't know the Jeff Beck thing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he and Jeff Beck were at the gig, and they were, uh, I guess, they were impressed. And Jagger was said to said to us that if there's anything he could do to help us get. A record deal, please feel free. And we've turned out that he was still doing, he was mixing his record, his solo record, Primitive Cool, here in New York City. And he, he had rented out the whole studio. And he's like, well, on my off time, why don't you guys come to the studio and we'll record some stuff for a demo and see how that works. Long story short, the demo got us a record deal. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, Glamour Boys, did he produce that track on Vivid? He did. He did. He produced which he produced Glamour Boys. He produced Which Way to America. Okay. He uh, played harmonica on the song Broken Hearts. Right. That's right. He was very integral in in and helping us out. And uh, and obviously in 1989 we were to tag to be the opening act for the Stones on the Steel Wheels tour, which really sort of helped us along as well. Right on, right on, and yeah, what a what a big stage for you guys to be on at that point in your well, career. Well, you know, at that point, um, we had just the record had just come out maybe a year ago, and then we were on the road, and, and you could fit all the places we played across the country and across North America in one stadium, 
that we played with wow. uh, with the Stones. Like we played in RFK Stadium in, in Philadelphia. It was, it was the first show. And it just, it was overwhelming. It was really, really overwhelming. And playing in, in, in places, like playing in Shea Stadium when Shea Stadium was still around, obviously. Right. And um, playing in those kind of venues and, and, and just being completely blown away by it all and, and completely blown away by the generosity of the whole Stones organization not just Mick was was really good to us you know everybody in the band was really nice to us and we were we were welcomed really really nicely they're really nice folks right on right on well I I saw you before then it was at Trenton State College in New Jersey I'm guessing it had to have been 19 88 i'm thinking and it was with with you guys and fishbone and that was a show and i'm not just saying that this to kiss your ass because i'm talking to you that show truly changed me and you know i was kind of more in the box a lot of 80s metal and and stuff like that and that show was like this mind opening experience for me because you know a lot of people point to oh when Teen Spirit hit MTV and stuff but no for me it was earlier than that it was like in the right. in that time frame when I saw Living Color and Fishbone and I I heard Jane's Addiction for the first time and Faith No More right. and maybe even early Alice in Chains you know you you guys really in my view, you were bridging this gap to, uh, you know, from the eighties to something new that was coming. Did you recognize that at the time that, Hey, we're, we're on a new wave here. I think so. I think so. I think, you know, the idea that music had to be sort of stratified and, and put into a box was really being challenged at that particular point in time. I, I think, I think the whole idea, whole notion of rock radio was really sort of calcified at that particular point in time. Like you could only, if if you were, you tuned to one station on the dial, you were certainly going to hear only one particular kind of music made by a particular kind of person. And I think bands like us and Fishbone and Faith No More, as you said, and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction and really sort of challenge that notion that what you hear isn't necessarily what you hear on the radio isn't necessarily how you listen to music. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I guess, a number of years later that you guys ended up on what has just become a legendary tour and, and, and concert, Lollapalooza, the first mm-hmm. Lollapalooza, 1991. I mean, what a lineup and what really, again, just this historic kind of, it's, it was a real changing of the guards. Jane's Addiction, Butthole Surfers, Body Count, Nine Inch Nails, Susie and the Banshees, Living Color. What do you remember from that tour? It was wild. It was really, really wild. And it, it was the, it was like the door had opened for what I affectionately call the freaks. Um, we were allowed to to sit, stand in the daylight and we were allowed to really sort of shine and, and play how we wanted to, where we wanted to, um, that there was a, there, that this is when the, the underground became above ground, I think. Right. 
you know, and kind of to circle back to to what what I was saying earlier, you know, there's this history always points to, oh, well, it was when MTV started playing Teen Spirit. But again, it was there was such a big build up to that that I, I always I always hate when people say that because there was so right. much going on before then. Well, you know, MTV at that particular point in time was basically a rock radio station. Right. So it it sort of played to what the market was doing at the time. And what they were doing was they're playing album uh, album or oriented rock rock music. So real sort of stalwart, you know, folks like Aerosmith you you know were playing on there. I mean, right. it, it, to to that regard they didn't really play a lot of of r&b music they didn't play a lot of urban music at all because they they count themselves as a rock station where you got where you can get where you can see rock music videos um you know and i think you know love him or hate him michael jackson sort of opened the door for for that sort of for, for different types of music to be played on mtv Definitely. as a matter of fact Michael Jackson actually aided in our career in terms of what you saw on MTV because, you know, he really, there was a point when he was like, I'm not going to put any of my videos on unless you play some of these other artists. Wow. Um, and so we can, we have to, you know, f- for, for that reason, we have to, to, to sort of give it up to Michael Jackson and his organization for helping us out as well. Did you ever meet Michael Jackson? Because I've heard stories about him that he actually liked like some of the harder rock music. Obviously, he was, you know, had his ear to the ground with guitar players like Van Halen and Steve Stevens. And there was I've heard that he was a Kiss fan. I don't know if that's true. Did you ever meet him? I I, I, I never met him. Vernon met him once or twice, Um, but I've never met him. Right. Right on. Right on. Cool. So what's because he's looking looking for guitar players and, you know. Brian was is a, a guitar player of some prominence, so he was he 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 sought him out. He sought Vernon out. Wow, cool. Did was he thinking of doing some work with Vernon? I believe so. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Cool. So, Living Color, you guys had a great new album out a little under two years ago. Shade, yeah. what's going on with uh, Living Color right now? Do you have plans for later this year or two thousand twenty? Well, we've been on the road for, since the spring. Um, we went to South America. We went to Europe th- this summer. Um, we're doing a, a few spot dates here and there across the country. And playing it by ear at this point, we're actually considering going back into the studio and start working on some new stuff. Oh, wow. So wow. we'll see how that works out. Very cool. We'll keep us posted, definitely. And again, Absolutely. we are completely psyched to see you and Mike Orlando oh, yeah. Rock out uh, September 9th at 8.30 sharp, guys. A great after work show at the Iridium in in New York City. And we are also anxiously looking forward to the music you are creating with Mike Orlando. Can you talk a little bit about stylistically what, what you're looking at with, uh, with the direction of the music you're working on with Mike? Because obviously both you guys are pretty diverse guys. What, what type of music can we expect from, I, from you I, and Mike? I think, it, you know, what you can expect from me at least is, is to really sort of mix genres and try to, uh, try to, to stretch the boundaries of, uh, of 
how you can stay within a, a certain space. In, in this case, it's it's you know rock metal and uh, Harvey guitar sort of stuff, and give it some you know give it some soul, give it some funk, and that's what we're trying to do. And you know it's been wonderful. It's been amazing. I mean, like I said, Mike is is one of the most amazing guitar players I've ever met in my life. An amazing just player and just it's it's, it's incredible what he can do. Yeah, I agree. He is just absolutely great from Adrenaline Mob to, to Sonic Stomp. There's so much great stuff that comes out of out of Mike and, and you too. So I think this is the perfect combo. Um, really looking forward to seeing this live gig take place on September 9th. And do you have a band in place to back you guys up or are you still getting that together? We're, we're still, try, still trying to get that together, but um, I, I have no doubt that it, the music will, will carry the day. Absolutely. Cool. All right, Corey. Well, I look forward to rocking out with you on September 9th at the Iridium and always uh, looking forward to to what you're up to musically. And uh, yeah, thanks for all the great music through the years. Thank you, man. Thank you.
minority hatred Cause probably the majority's racist Against the minority races For the problems to be resolved in the race It's gonna take more than the march of watches To stay around sharp as the base Cops always harass the brothers They like Clorox bleach Good for whites, bad for color So when they ask the searches I get nervous Cause Mike Brown was shot down By the people hired to protect his service Went from enlightenment to a dark zone Millions of dumb people Walking around with a smartphone Everybody dressing the same as y'all clones Like we wearing a uniform Being unique as rare as a unicorn Refuse to do the norm And just accept yourself Stop trying to be like everybody else Accept yourself You free your mind You do anything that you wish to Ignorance is bliss I refuse to be blissful Math program off the recent Living Color record called Shade right here on Talking Metal. Absolutely. And we are going to get into our interview with Brent Muscat in just a bit. But I did want to take a minute right now to do a little a little uh, announcement for you guys. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You can get in a crash People can get hurt or killed. Here are some surprising stats. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though driving drunk fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested And, man, that's going to mean huge legal expenses, hiring a lawyer and all that stuff. Uh, Just bad news. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent your drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. A sober driver, call a taxi, whatever, man. And if someone you know has been drinking, take the keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of drunk driving, but one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. And and I'm going to get personal right now and and tell all of the listeners that somebody that has been an important person in my life, I met her in kindergarten and she was my prom date, was the victim of a drunk driver. Oh, and guys, call a car and get home safely. Well, Correct. Yeah, uh, that that I don't. Yeah, that that says it. I don't, I'm speechless, John. I don't know what to say. But and you've told me that story, and I am sorry for for that loss. It's so, okay. It's all right. No, yeah. no problem. Yeah, but you know, Thanks, we we man. do like to drink, and you know, it's like I said, Correct. talking metal toast, and the, and we we're not like saying, yeah, we're not saying don't drink. We're just saying stop yourself. Don't do from those driving things. Drunk. Yeah, rock out all you want. But don't do it and then get behind the wheel and then screw it up for everybody else. Not only you behind the wheel, but the other people on the road. Guys, whatever you do, do not drive drunk. Be smart. All right. So on that note, John, you've been playing.
playing so many shows, man. I mean, it's it's insane. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, thank you. You thank are you, holding Mike. down a full time job. You're you're helping out here and there with Talking Metal, and you're out there literally touring. I mean, you guys were in Pennsylvania, where Connecticut, Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah, we were we were up in Massachusetts. Oh, we Massachusetts, were in Long right. Island. Um, we were in Cleveland, Ohio, at the house of. FN Blues, great place, and uh, Pittsburgh, PA, my hometown, uh, Greensburg, PA, actually, and um, we have been having a blast rocking it out with Ace Frehley, and thank you to Ace Frehley for allowing Like It to rock out and open for you guys. We're actually uh, missing a couple of dates. Ace is doing, uh, he did last night in Atlanta, and he's doing tomorrow in Lexington, Kentucky. I've uh, sat out those days just because we are so fried, but then we will pick up with Ace in in Maryland uh, next month, and then we're going to go from Annapolis, Maryland to East Hanover, New Jersey, free show. Check com for details. Yeah. And then we were doing Poughkeepsie, New York, Homer, New York. And then after that, Like It is going to deface California. Nice, <laughs> yeah. Ross, and uh, we're going to do some shows out there. So guess what? California never saw this coming. Uh, we hope it's the same after that. Uh, we might have to get some politicians involved because right. it, you never know what's going to happen after Jamie Ross leaves California. It could be a national incident or international incident. You never know. Right on. Right on. Like it featuring John Astronomy, Jamie Ross, Mike Lincoln, and Dave Messenger. A great band, guys. <laughs> Definitely check it out. Uh, real quick, is there a social media presence for you guys? Where's the best place? Uh, website anything here's the thing we're not that great yet on social media but we do have a a facebook page and i think you have to search it as like it band okay the problem is we'll link it through the show notes on talkingmetal.com and let me tell you this uh there's like a I, I had like a really good thing to say and I forgot it in the last 30 seconds i am so stupid by the way i don't know what's <laughs> going around <laughs> anyway uh, my th- oh, my phone's. Uh, guess what? This is Ace Frehley's bodyguard, All right. Jim Crowley, well, well, calling well, well, me. But I'm yeah, gonna, what, you want to grab gonna, that, and I'm we'll get into the the Brent, the Brent interview. Let's get into the Brent interview. I'll grab the call, and then we'll come right back out of it. Okay, guys, we're going to get into the interview with Brent Muscat. But before we do that, let's hear "Where There's a Whip, There's a Way" by Faster Pussycat. <laughs>
Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal and calling in a guy I've been a longtime fan of, Brent Muscat. How are you, Brent? Great to talk with you. Good. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm glad we finally got you on as a guest, and I want to talk about your, your past, your history, but let's start with what's going on now. You got the Saints of Las Vegas is your current uh-huh, band, okay. and you guys, yeah. uh, what, you play the Excalibur and other places? Yeah, we play all over uh, Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of casinos and on the strip. And is it originals, covers, or both? Uh, we do a little bit of both. Cool. So you would get... A lot of covers, though. A lot of covers, right. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. And is there's new music, too. You guys do... I heard a, a track on CD Baby that uh, sounded great. Yeah, yeah. We have some new music to put out, and um, we're... we're we did a uh, House of Pain, my old band song. Um, it's going to be released in that the next day or two. Oh, so you, you've yeah. re-recorded House of Pain? Uh-huh, yeah, and I sang on it. Oh, very cool. And and that's yeah. cur- that's not out yet? That's not out yet. It's coming, it should be out soon, yeah, within a day or two. Wow, well, that that's amazing because I guess we'll start there because it's really the 30th uh, anniversary of... Wake me when when it's over. And uh, any besides releasing House of Pain, a, a, a new version of that. Do you have any plans to celebrate the thirty year anniversary of Wake Me When It's Over? Well, Tammy, uh, my you know the, the singer still tours with the band, so you, you could probably catch him out playing. Um, but for me, just re-releasing House of Pain that would probably be you know my uh, you know my tribute to it. Right on, right on. And is that a song you play live with the Saints of Las Vegas? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I sing that sometimes live. And I do a couple other songs that have been on the band, like Bathroom Wall. And, yeah, you know, do one or two songs from my old band. And we do some new new tunes, some new originals, and, of course, you know, covers of bands we like and stuff. Cool. And is it strictly, like, a, a Las Vegas thing, or do you get... You get out of uh, Nevada and, and play other places with the Saints of Vegas. Um, once in a while we get out. You know, we've been to Arizona before and California, so we'll, we'll get out, but um, not too far yet. You know, just you know, kind of around the West Coast area. Right on, right on. Cool. Well, to circle back around to an album that we all love, "Wake Me When It's Over." Again, 30 uh, years has gone by. What are some of your, your memories wow. of doing that second Faster Pussycat record? Uh, touring with like Motley Crue and David Lee Roth. And a lot of the tours we did, we did some pretty big tours. Kiss. Right on. Um, so yeah, and Motley Crue was pretty memorable. to toured with them on Dr. Good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was yeah. such a big record. I mean, it, the... The video for House of Pain just exploded all over MTV, and yeah, what was that like? Number one, no, it got to be a number one video on MTV. Yeah, absolutely, I remember. That was cool. Nonstop, it was it was getting uh, playing on MTV. What? How did your life change at that point? Because you really went from being from being not that well known to basically Fast and Pussycat <laughs> was pretty much a household name at that point. Um. Well, like I said, when we first went out on tour, we went out as like the popular local band, but we came back as like rock stars. So 
pretty amazing to have everybody when we came back, you know, people recognize you and get in free places and, you know, get kind of spoiled, you know? Absolutely. Pretty amazing. Cool. And I was recently rewatching The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, which has really become a historical time capsule for the whole Sunset Strip and the music that was going on at that time. How how do you view that movie when you see yourself in it all these years later? It's funny. I mean, it's a lot of the bands in there that said they were going to make it that dinner, you know? Um, right. It's interesting, you know, to watch that, you know, now looking back, you know? And, and I think out of all the bands, we came off pretty good, you know? So I'm pretty happy to, to watch it, you know? And the, so sun, the Sunset yeah. Strip scene in general, you were born and raised in, in that area, in Hollywood. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Monrovia. That's about a half an hour outside of Hollywood. So, so you, not too far. So as well as being a part of that scene, I mean, you saw it evolve. You saw it take take shape and rise to its its height and also kind of crumble af- afterwards. Can you talk a little bit about the early days of the scene and when, at what point you, you knew, wow, this is, this is something crazy. There's something really going on here. Well, I mean, we were part of the early part of that, you know, us and Guns N' Roses and Poison. And um, there was definitely something there, you know, there's definitely an atmosphere when you went out to clubs, the bands and, and the people out, people were out on the street and promoting and, you know, handing out flyers and people would go down to Hollywood and go to the Sunset Strip and people would just walk the strip. There was a, a strip of clubs there, you know, like you had the Whiskey and the Roxy and the, and gosh, um, what was the other one? It was called the Central when we started, but it changed names a few times. Johnny Depp owned it. Central, oh, Viper, the Viper, Viper Room? Yeah. Viper, yeah, Viper Room. But you had a strip of clubs there, so people would walk up and down the strip and just hang out. I mean, you see the strip itself was like a gigantic club, you know? Right. It was definitely a, a, a scene happening at that time. And it was, you know, it was really great. And then, um, you know, the thing that ended up basically when Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden came out to kind of ended the whole L.A. scene, you know, the whole Seattle thing took off, you know. And, but was, even before that, was there a point that the scene, it where you kind of felt like, all right, there's just too many kids moving here and coming in from the Midwest on buses, and it's it's just too much. Was there ever a point for, for you, because you this was your town, that you you had to kind of take a step back and think, maybe this is going the wrong direction or did you never have Well, we got lucky because we, we got signed and we got the tour. So we were out. We weren't we were in out. Hollywood. Too. Yeah, I mean, we were touring most of the year. We were touring. Um, and then when we get back, we take a break, you know what I mean? So we weren't, we got signed pretty early in the scene. So, you know, like I said, we were really touring most of the time, you know? Right. We'd come back, we'd go to the cat house or something. You know, we have a club called the cat house. And we'd go, you know, we'd come back and go out to the club and stuff. And 
play a little bit, you know, like a big homecoming show or something. But um, we got real lucky. Like I said, we got signed pretty early on in the scene. So, right. you know, we were half the on the Gotcha. Or, or right. Brent, you're, you're, you're starting to fade just a little bit. Oh, sorry. Right no, yeah, I... we were, we were touring and, and, or, and or writing music and recording, you know? Yeah. yeah. So there was never any point for me anyways. I mean, that it felt like that, you know? I mean, it did feel like every, I mean, after us, a ton of bands got signed, but only a handful of bands actually got to tour and really make it, you know? And when the Seattle stuff and the grunge stuff first started hitting, how did you feel about that personally? Was it a threat? Did you like it? Did uh, like what were your? No, I actually. Well, I liked the music. You know, Nirvana. I was a big fan of Nirvana. Right. You know, and we all liked it a lot. You know, Um, and we didn't. We just thought it was totally different, which it was. But the record companies, unfortunately, you know, thought. ask you about the first time I saw you guys live, which was at the Boston Garden Arena opening for Alice Cooper, November 17th, 1987. What do you remember about the Alice Cooper um, tour? I think Ace Frehley was supposed to be on it, but he dropped off and I don't know, that was such a, a great introduction to you for me that night. I didn't know much about you going into the show and I came out converted and immediately went and bought the first album and was, was hooked. The Alice Cooper tour, 1987 memories of that. Um, well, Alice Cooper is a really great guy, really cool guy. I mean, to this day, probably one of the nicest guys you could meet in rock and roll. So we were really lucky to be able to tour with him, you know, such a you know nice guy and very personable. And, um, Ace was on part of the tour, I think. I'm not sure. Maybe he wasn't on the part of it that you saw, but he was on part of the tour. Yeah, he was billed. I remember it was supposed to be Faster Pussycat, Ace, and Alice, and then when we got to the show, it was just you got you guys and and uh, and Alice, which we were okay with because you know you killed it, and so did so did uh, Alice. It was a great night. Yeah, yeah, and Alice, like I said, he was a great guy to tour with. Really super nice. Cool. And uh, he had a great band and great people touring with them too. He had like members touring with them. And was that with Kip Winger and uh, Kane Roberts at that time? Uh, I think I don't think Kip was with it. Kip was with no. them like a okay. year before. But when we toured, I think Kip was already kind of finished. All right. Cool. And so the demise, the original demise of Faster Pussycat, happens when nineteen. 19- 93 ish? 94? 94, yeah. We broke up, I guess. We didn't have an officially even break on it, but we just kind of, we were dropped by Electra, and then we just kind of stopped touring, and everybody kind of went to their own thing. And in that late 90s period, what were you up to musically? Um, 
I went back. I mean, I went back and lived in, you know, around Hollywood, and I played with a bunch of just like local bands for fun. I never stopped playing. Um, I went out and just started working and in the uh, movie industry. I was like a camera assistant on commercials and, and oh, music wow. videos and movies. So I just um, kept working and I, and I kept playing, but but playing was more for fun, not for not the pressure of being signed and having to make hits and stuff. It was just it was like a thing, different bands. And, and it was a good time for me because actually I just played for fun, you know, without the pressure. Of right. Being signed. So were you doing like TV then, production work? Yeah. Well, not so much TV, but commercials. Right. Okay. Um, and uh, movies nice. and music videos. Right. Uh, not so much TV. TV is a whole different thing, you know. But um, TV and on one studio and on the set, right? stuff. So we would go on them. Um, I would do it on different locations and and uh, different different stuff like that. But it was pretty cool, and I did that for a while. And then I got back into music probably around 2000, 1999, 2000. I started playing. Met Phil Lewis from LA Guns and got a band with him. Right, right. And started getting back into music with that kind of thing, yeah. And did you guys did an album together, you and Phil? Yeah, we did. Uh we did a couple records actually. A couple there's a couple little things out there we did. One was called More Purple More Purple Than Black. And um then we did like a Phil Lewis like kind of solo album. It was just called Phil Lewis but right. I played on that. And recorded that, and uh, I think one, one, at least one of them was released in the states. I think, but uh, we released one in Japan too, and toured Japan. And then from then, I got into LA Guns. And how how long were you with LA Guns? I think there was a time where I was I was in for a while, then I was out, then I was back in for a while, but probably all together about two years on and off. Right. Okay, and then you were then I guess is it around two thousand one, Faster Pussycat re- yeah, re- reforms. Uh-huh. Is that is that a correct yeah. statement? Yeah, reformed exactly. And was it all the original guys at that point? It was um, it was three originals: me, Greg, and Tammy. Right. And then some guys he's playing with now. Um, we did that for did that for about a year or two. And then, um, then I just uh, I uh, came to Vegas and and was started playing Vegas and could do pretty well just on my own here in Vegas. Better than you know I could do out touring with them, you know touring. I I play in town more. Right. So it was something you chose not to do. You you left the newly reformed Faster Pussycat. Yeah, after a while, it's just I felt like we had hit our peak, and then it wasn't as good as it as it. You know, once something I kind of hit the peak and it's not as good, I just felt like it was time to just do something new. And you were aware that they were going to continue on without you. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they. You know, I was out of the band for a while, and they were. 
And then and a lot of those old bands too, they tour with only one member or something. You yeah. Know? A lot of the listening bands, you know. Which is pretty much I mean, that's what Tammy's doing now, right? He's out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And does it are you okay with him being out there representing? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I put we had had a you know some of our bickering a little bit when it first happened, but that's pretty normal. You know, I think all the all all those bands that do that have a little bit of bickering. Even right now, there's like two two versions of L.A. Guns out there right now. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay. I, I, I hope people get. Losing you again, Brent. I'm losing you. Oh, I was saying I hope people get got to see us in our prime, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And have you spoken with Tammy since he's been sober? Yeah, I actually. Um... And was it interesting to talk to him in a sober state, or pretty much the same? Um. Well. You know, when he was, I guess, he, I, I never really ever saw him too screwed up, you know? Right. I mean, even though he's sober now, even when, I guess, when he wasn't, I never saw him super bad, you know what I mean? Like, I never saw him too screwed up. Most of the times when I talked to him, he was, you know, straight, you know? Right on. Right on. And then there was that... um the Cat House reunion, right? You mentioned the Cat House earlier. You that uh-huh. got on, you got up on stage with them at that. What was that? 2015. Yeah, that, we did that. That was awesome. And um, me and Grit, you know, some original members, we got to do that. So I think that was like four original members. Got to, you know, me, Greg, Eric, and Tammy got together on on there. That was so cool. Do you think there could ever be a reunion of like the kind of classic lineup of Faster Pussycat? Um, gosh, I doubt it. I think if it was going to happen, it would have already. Right. I just don't think, I don't think there's enough, you know, I just interest, but I don't think there's enough interest to warrant that, you know? Okay. I would definitely be interested in that, but. Oh, I mean, like I said, there'd definitely be some interest, yeah. but it would be, you know, in order to get everybody to do it, I, I think there'd have to be a lot more interest, you know what right. I mean? Where. I it was Guns N' Roses, you know, Guns N' Roses, they get a million, probably like a million dollars when they play, because there's that much interest, you know? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, Faster was a popular band, but not as big as, G, you know, G&R when it comes to that kind of, you know, interest, you know? Right. Right. I remember talking once to Mike Patton of Faith No More before Faith No More uh-huh. got back together, and I, I said, would there ever be a Faith No More reunion? And he he said, not not unless there's a lot more money on the table. So <laughs> I thought yeah. that was always an yeah. uh, yeah. interesting statement. And I, I guess, didn't want to say money exactly, but right. yeah, I mean, that's part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I just say interest, you know? Right. Which is kind of boils down the same thing. There would be some more money on the table. Right on. And then you were doing Sin City Sinners for a while. That, that You're not involved with that anymore, or you are? Uh, no. 
everybody that uh, we that we did that band with now is called Original Sin. Okay. Ah, uh, I see. Right now, where am I? We might start doing more, but for right now, our next show we have booked with Original Sin. Right on. Cool, man. Well, well, listen, Brent. It's been great talking with you. I love hearing all the old um, stories, and and man, what what a what a great career you've had. And please keep it up. So when I come to Vegas the next time, I definitely want to come see the Saints of Las Vegas. Uh, all right, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, it'd be an honor to to see you play again and shake your hand. I'll send you um, text me your email address. I'll send you a version of how thing that I did, and maybe you can um share it or something too oh wow i'd love to could i feature a little bit of it on the podcast sure yeah that'd be not so all right let's do it i'll definitely do that thanks for your email and we're just sending it okay perfect thank you friends i appreciate that
All right, that song right there, House of Pain, 2019, John, by Brent Muscat, featuring Ryan White Maloney. Ryan White Maloney, who I guess is famous. Uh, he was on The Voice or something. I don't. I don't. I didn't oh, watch that show. Yeah. Cool. And and I got to tell you, when when Brent told me he was going to send me over this new version of House of Pain, which I guess very few people have heard, so I feel like that's kind of an, a talking metal exclusive right there. That he Correct. that uh, I was like, man, that song is so good. How can you re-record it? You know, that's that's risky. But they pulled it off, man. They do a great they job. Brent Muscat and Ryan White. Maloney do an excellent job with the new version of House of Pain. Very good. Good Love stuff, it. guys. Great, great tune. Thank you for allowing Talking Metal to debut that tune. Absolutely. And Brent, please stay in touch with us. Uh, really I love, love I your love body of work and everything that you've done. Really, you've been an inspiration. I'm a super fan of Brent. And I swear to God, there's not many people that I'm a super fan of. Brent is one of the dudes that I am a super fan of. Yeah. What a lineup today. We got Corey Glover and Brent Muscat. Uh, Some big names for you guys. And this next guy, not quite as big a name, but uh, still doing some great music. So let's get into a brief interview with Freddie from Weapons of hey, a New. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of go. Talking Metal, and we have Freddie Ordine from Weapons of a New on the line with us, who is currently out in tour. Hey, Freddie, how are you? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for talking with us. Uh, let's talk about the tour. You guys are, what, in the middle of it right now or approaching the end yeah. of it? How's it been going? Uh, it's been great, man. We're about uh, about a month into it. I think we got about three weeks left. Um, yeah, it's been really good, dude. You know, it's just kind of cool for us. We're the heavy band on the tour, so we kind of stick out a little bit more. Um, surprisingly, the fans really kind of accepting of it. They seem to be connecting with it. We were a little nervous when we took the tour on. You know, it's not really our kind of demographic, and uh, it's been going great. Cool. And how did this all come about? This is a tour that uh, features Scott uh, Scott Stapp as the uh, headliner. How did you hook up with Scott yeah. and get on this tour? Um, came in through management. We had just gotten off the uh, Metal Allegiance run we had done out on the West Coast. We were coming home to start work on the new record and uh, got a call. And they said, hey, you guys want to go out with Scott? You can't say no to that. So we were like, yeah, we're going. And uh, we had a five days notice. We packed up and away we went. Awesome. And you mentioned the new record. How can we expect this uh, record to differ from 2007's The Collusion of Love? Um, I mean, it's it's definitely us growing up a little bit more. You know, uh, we, we've done a lot of touring. So, you know, the, the band's kind of come a long way. So, you know, with, with Chris and Reno, they've never played before. You know, right? We've done this, you know, for almost forever, I'd say. And, uh, you know, when we got these guys in, they're just starting to kind of grow, and the band really kind of grows. So it's definitely like a little bit more mature. You know, still heavy. It's got some really cool hooks on it, a lot of melody still. Cool. And are you working with a certain producer and label on this album, the new album? Um, yeah, Mike Ferretti. He did uh, Seven Dust and stuff like that. So we brought him in. We've been friends with him for a long time. He actually helped us mix the last record. Um, so we figured, you know, everything worked good. We, we enjoyed working with him, so we brought Mike in. And then our management's actually shopping us a new deal as we speak. So nothing yet. But okay. Looking good. Cool. So no exact release date set for this, I would assume, right? Um, they're saying they're, they're saying first quarter of this, this next year coming up, 2020. So January, February. Cool. And you're a guitar player. What kind of gear do you use? What guitars and what amps, effects? Uh, I'm with uh, ESP. I've been with those guys for probably five, six years for guitars. They, they build me some awesome stuff out of the, the USA custom shop here. That's so 
phenomenal stuff. Um, so mainly, you know, that's all my guitars is that amps are, uh, been with Bogner almost 20, 22 years. So oh, nice. Then the Bogner River Shawl is like pretty much a mainstay for me. And I just got hooked up with Mesa Boogie too. So I've been using um, the new John Petrucci one. So I'm mixing those two heads together live. It's oh, cool. Yeah, I love Bogner. I have a wallet down there. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I I use I have a Bogner Shiva, which I just uh, just oh, love cool. to death. Yeah, yeah, great awesome. great amps. And let's talk a little bit about the band for the listeners who might not know much about you guys. Can you tell us just a, a little bit about your history, where you guys are from? Um, well, we're from New York, New Jersey area. Um, we started, I think it was 20, 2015, 2016. No, twenty fifteen. We all got together. So Ray was in another band called Spread Eagle. Um, he had taken a couple of years off, just like me. I was in a band called Habitate, which was me and a couple of the guys from Testament. We did a few records. I stopped playing and probably, I think it was 06. And Ray was roughly around the same time. And uh, we got together. We both said, if we're going to do this, let's you know make it not sound like anything we've done before. And uh, you know, we just kind of put it together from there. Cool. And the tour is coming through New Jersey, right? And like next week? Yeah. Yeah, we're at uh, Sarahville, I think, Saturday, actually. Saturday, we're playing Sunday. Do you expect yeah. a, a lot of friends and, and family to come down to that show? Yeah, we, we understand we're probably got about 150 people in guest list. We have to actually buy wow. tickets. So, wow. <laughs> just because we only get 10 people a night, we didn't want to ask for it. So, uh, we went and bought a couple tickets from, uh, from the promoter from the club so we could get all our people and we don't want our family paying for us or friends and stuff like that because people have been supporting us forever. So, sure it's our way of saying thank you right on and as far as your musical influences go let's let's start with guitar playing who are some of your favorite guitar players who did you listen to growing up um, growing up i mean you know i started out with the basic you know kiss molly crew stuff and then i got into you know metallic and flair and then i found guys like Ingvar malmstein and steve Vai, and you know alden miola all, all kind of guys like that so i got really into the shred guys cool and did you, as far as developing your skill, were you like taking lessons? How did, how did you go about learning? I was, I was pretty much self-taught. Um, my father played a little bit. So, you know, he kind of got me going, you know, like your basic G chord and D chord and stuff like that. And I just kind of took to it. And uh, I just loved it. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't have YouTube. So we had to sit, you know, play records and tapes and just sit there and learn like all the nuances from these guys playing. So it was, it was cool. I just fell in love. Cool. And when did, so the Jersey scene, like when did you kind of get into the, the Jersey rock scene? Um, I mean, I was in a band called Axiom back in 90, 91 or 92. Okay. And uh, we had gotten signed to a small label and, you know, we, we worked the, the local scene. But then back then there was, you know, Studio One was here, Cookie Club was here, Birchill was still here. Birchill, right. But there was a ton of, there was a ton of places to still play. And, you know, it's, unfortunately it's not like that anymore. But yeah, I kind of grew up in it. As far as your career highlights go, you've been doing this a while. What are some of the the big moments of your, you know, highlights of your career? It can be, you know, with with uh, with Weapons of a New or with other bands. What are your career highlights? Yeah, I mean, with my old band, um, I mean, we we did a lot, a lot of touring. I mean, I got to tour with Motorhead all over the place, so that that was really cool. That didn't let me wow. on a personal level. Oh, now, which band? Awesome. Which band was that opening for Motorhead? That was Havocate. Uh, okay. Awesome. So I think that was back in 2002, 2003. So we got to go over with those guys. So it was us, Anthrax, and Motorhead on one tour. So for me, that was like a good thing on trail. Um, and then just getting to know Lemmy. 
on that kind of level. And then, I mean, honestly, with weapons, we've been nothing but lucky. Um, we had never played a live show before, but, you know, between me and Ray, all our contacts in the industry, uh, we got off of the Alter Bridge tour where we were working on the first record. So we went out in the middle of doing that record. Our first show was in Royal Oaks, Michigan, in front of like 2,800 people. So that, that was a pretty good one. Um, and, you know, getting to go out with Tesla was cool. I mean, it's just, I love touring. I mean, you know, just getting to go out with these older bands that have been doing it forever and have success at it. It's just, you know, it's been a fun thing for us. Now, Ray is doing the Spread Eagle thing, too. Can you uh, kind of explain how he's balancing both uh, both Spread Eagle and what he's doing with you guys? Yeah, I mean, with Weapons, we're so busy just with the touring and the records and everything. I mean, Weapons is his full-time, you know, thing. Um, the Spread Eagle thing, like I said, you know, they got a cool offer on it. Um, he's still really tight with Rob, the bass player. So Rob asked if, you know, they wanted to do the record, and Ray was absolutely about it. They said, okay, you know, let's go out and kind of close the chapter on this book. I guess we felt, you know, there was a little bit of unfinished business that they wanted to finish. And right on. It's, it's good, man. I heard it. I heard it for the first time while we were out on tour. It was actually pretty good. Cool, cool. And besides you and Ray, can you run down who else is in the band? Sure. Um, Reno, um, the bass player. He's been with us since the beginning. And then uh, Chris Manfrey, the drummer. Awesome. Cool. Well, Freddie, we really appreciate your time here on Talking Metal. Thanks for taking some time out of your uh, your touring schedule to speak with us and uh, I'd love to be down at the Jersey show but we're actually going up to heavy Montreal this weekend so we oh, nice. won't be able cool. to make that but I hope to see you guys sometime soon in the area next time we're around we'll let you know and uh, come out Tell you anymore.
Tonight, yeah. All right, John. So, all right. What else is happening with you? Any any other news? Any like two minute update you can give the fans? <laughs> yeah. So, um, we got a upcoming group of shows with Ace Frehley coming up, uh, starting with a show in Annapolis, Maryland, at Rams Head on stage, and then we're going to head up to do a free show in New York area. Uh, in a place called East Hanover, New Jersey, a car yeah. dealership. A lot of people think that's weird, but guess what? It's on um, Route 10. I, I know exactly. It's really yeah, close to where exactly I live. Where yeah, you and unfortunately, I can't come because I'm going to see. Ah. I have heart tickets that night. Oh, well, yeah. understandable. You, you have actual. Tickets. But you, you know, I that's come cool. to the shows when I can. I came I up to. I came up to wherever the hell that was, Terrytown, yeah. or where was that? Uh, somewhere up by White the Plains. White Plains. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a far gig. You came. That was a fun night, man. Great gig. With Rat and Ace Frehley. How freaking cool is the fact that Talking Metal alumni are doing shows with Rat and Ace Frehley? How weird is that? Awesome. It's awesome. And guess Congratulations, what we happening? We got to get Mark Striegel on stage doing shows with Rat and Ace Frehley and like getting Talking Metal. And Well, you want to hear something? Organize that. I haven't told anybody what? this. I, I, you want to hear something? Yes. I haven't told anybody this, but I'm Ooh. going because – since I have kids, since I've had kids, I've done a little jamming, a few gigs, you know, screaming metal and stuff, but not not a lot. And right. I am going on a audition for a band on Monday night. Yeah, from well, you should fucking get it, no matter what. And I'm sorry for swearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So we'll see. I guess I don't know. I'm auditioning them too because I want to hear what they sound like. Right. But but yeah, that's a, a little bit of news for you guys. Big news, Mark. Big, yeah. Big big news. I want to see you getting back out there rocking. And guess what? Um, regardless of that, and and I hope that works out. I want to keep rocking with you, and uh, let's let's get it all together, and all of us keep rocking. Is that cool? Absolutely. Can we do Absolutely. it. We try it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I want to jam. Let's I'm get... I'm itching to play. Itching to play. So yeah. listen, we're gonna wrap it there. I know we had some pretty extensive interviews on this show, but it's always great. Having you back, John. We miss you when you're not here. Thank you. I know. I want to be on every episode. You call me, and I'm I'm there, brother. All right, man. I am ready to rock. Cool. All right, guys. And to take us out, let's play a little Like It, John's band. What can we play, John? Let's play the song My Way. 
Which my is way. really Jamie's way. Yeah, here we go. My way by Like It here on Talking Metal. Yeah. 
guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of Talking Metal. A little like it right there. We'll have their site linked through today's show notes on TalkingRock.net and TalkingMetal.com. Remember, guys, it's never okay to drive stoned. You put yourself and others in danger. And a DUI covers more than just alcohol. Drugs that make you feel different will make you drive different. And you could get a DUI, which is not cool. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. Just don't do it, guys. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. That's really important, guys. I mean, weed has become so popular. I know everyone's doing it now, but it's just don't drive when you're doing that. It's just stupidity, really. We love our listeners. We want you around. So just just be safe and smart with getting high and driving. All right? Thanks, guys.